Hello and welcome to Wake Up and Grow. I'm Natalie, your host, and today's episode is titled Matchless Love. The tea of the day is passion fruit and orange. That one's pretty strong in my opinion. I prefer it cold versus hot, um, but that's personal preference. So the scripture reference that I'm going to be focusing this episode around today is Psalm 17 verse 8, which in my translation says, Keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me in the shadow of your wings. Obviously, when this episode is coming out, it won't be February yet, but with it coming up and people getting ready for Valentine's Day, I felt led to talk about the topic of love. Yay. Fun times. Um, so I wanted to open up with the question, and I'm going to give you a second to answer it. Obviously, I won't be able to hear it, because I'm not there with you, but the question is, what is love? I hope that was ample time to think of an answer. If not, you can just pause the episode right here and answer it for yourself. But according to the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, love is defined as a strong affection for another arising out of kinship or personal ties. So, according to that definition, my love for my family and my friends is based solely upon our relationship status between myself and the other person and how we interact with each other. However, according to the Bible, um, specifically in 1 Corinthians verse or chapter 13 verses 4 uh, through the first part of verse 8, love is defined as patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but it rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Love never ends. According to this definition, the definition given to us in the Bible, love is not based on circumstances or the factors within those circumstances. It is not based upon our personal feelings for that person. It is not based upon the relationship status or our interactions with that person. It's not even based on the person themselves. It is not based upon whether that other person can or cannot give me something. I don't know about you, but personally, I prefer the Bible's definition of love. Our society and the way that 
we humans look at the term love and when we try and break it down, we have found there to be eight different kinds of love, I guess. I, I don't really <laughs> like to break love down into different types, but I guess when you look at it in an analytical and, and compartmental way, then yeah, I guess. So there are these eight, and I'm probably going to butcher this Latin. I think it's Latin. I don't know. I'm probably going to butcher it, so my apologies. But the first one we have is philia, or philia. You pick one. And that is associated with affectionate love between family members and friends, so it's not romantic. It's just that um, love, like, like the one I mentioned earlier from Webster's Dictionary, it is due to kinship. Then we have pragma, and that is in, in the way I understood it, an enduring or developing love, a maturing love. So I guess it starts out as philia and then um, maybe grows into romantic? I don't know. The way it was explained when I looked it up was a little weird. Anyway. Then we have storgy? I'm gonna say storgy. And that's, again, familial love, familiar love that's between, you know, a parent and a child, um, or siblings, someone within your immediate family. And then, the fourth one is Eros, which is the romantic love. Next, we have Ludus which on the website that I looked at was explained as the playful or flirtatious love. I didn't quite understand it, but I put it in here just because it's part of the list. And then we have mania, which is the obsessive love. The seventh is Bellaccia. That sounds weird. But that is the self-love. That is the healthy, in the way it was described, the healthy understanding and respect for oneself in relationships with others. And then the last is agape. I'm pretty certain most everyone has heard of agape, and that was described as selfless love. Agape within the secular world um, is considered the highest level of love that one can give or offer to others. This agape love is the love given without the ex expectation of receiving something in return. It applies to any and all circumstances and people, and it is an intentional gift to others. And this, agape love, this is the kind of love that Jesus showed to the world on the cross. And the kind of love that you and I, as Christians, as followers of Christ, are called to show others. This love is unconditional. It's matchless. And it's not driven by the type of circumstances or people we encounter. 
we are to love our enemies. And there are several great examples within the Bible um, that circle around this, but I kind of want to focus in on Romans chapter 12 and then Matthew chapter 5. So I'll start with Romans chapter 12 here. Verse 14 says, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. And then 17, Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. And then 20 through 21. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And then hopping back to the Gospel of Matthew, um, chapter 5, verse 43 through 44, it says, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, I being Jesus, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Loving our enemies can and will be hard. I was recently in a Zoom call that was kind of like a Bible study, and the kid who was leading it, someone had like sent him a message through Instagram and just like hating on him, bashing him, bashing the name of Jesus. And he he told us that we're in the Zoom meeting. I every bit of me wanted to just lash out at this dude verbally and show him the same level of hate that he was showing me. But and I couldn't because I'm a Christian. And so instead I told him, I'm sorry you feel this way, let me pray for you. And I don't think he's heard from this dude since, but it's going to take the Holy Spirit within us to love our enemies. Because it's so much easier to hate our enemies. We are also called to love our neighbors. I think Luke chapter 10 verses 27 through 37 are a great example of this. So this is the instance in which Jesus is being asked by a lawyer what he should do to get to heaven and Jesus answers. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, the lawyer, You have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers, who stripped him and beat him and departed, 
leaving him half dead. Now, by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among robbers, he said? The one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, You go and do likewise. Loving our neighbors means loving our literal neighbors, you know, the people who live beside us and around us. But it also means loving the people across town, the people who live in a different community than you, who live in a different, different lifestyle than you. Loving your neighbor is showing compassion and mercy and love to anyone who is in need of it, aka everyone. So we are called to love our enemies, our neighbors, and our Christian brothers and sisters, um, our fellow Christians. So in Matthew 25, verses 34 through 46, it says, and this is the, what is titled in my Bible, the final judgment, which is a story of the sheep and the goats being separated. But I'm going to start in verse 34, which says, then the king will say to those on his right, the sheep, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And where did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick, and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they will also answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry, or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister to you? 
and he will answer them, saying, Truly I say to you, as you did not do to one of the least of these, you did not do to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. And then back into Romans chapter 12, verse 10. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Sometimes it's harder to love our Christian brothers and sisters than it is to love strangers. And I think that is because, and I don't know, maybe this is just a weird perspective, but more often than not, what causes a church or the body of Christ to fall are the members within it. And so I think we become extra wary when we are at church or when we are at a Bible study or youth group or whatever because we know each other and we know the damage that to use the old term one bad apple can do to the batch and so I think we sometimes withhold true and honest love from church members or other other Christians in general because we don't trust each other And I think that's a very dangerous thing to do because the body of Christ, the church, um, you know, we, we are together so that we can grow in Christ together. We are to build each other up and elevate each other in Christ. We are to pray for each other. We are to, we are... The church is a support system until we get to heaven. The church and its members are our temporary places of worship. And if we're not bringing love into them, then we're setting ourselves up to be distracted. We are setting ourselves up to be that quote-unquote bad apple. And in turn, we have changed the church from house of worship into a den of thieves or a pit of vipers. So we are to love our enemies, our neighbors, our fellow Christians, and this one's kind of a generic one, but I really wanted to talk about these verses. We are also to love those who are similar and different from us. So I'd like to start in Romans chapter 15, verses 8 through 12, and then move on to Acts chapter 10. So Romans chapter 15, 8 through 12 says... 
For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness, in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs, and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy, as it is written, Therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing your name. And again it said, it is said, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the people extol him. And again, Isaiah says, The root of Jesse will come, even he who arises to rule the Gentiles. In him will the Gentiles hope. So, the reason I'm even bringing up the Gentiles in that section of verses is back when Jesus was physically on earth and roaming about the Jews were God's chosen people they were who God chose to be saved and so it was thought for a long time before Jesus came that if you're not a Jew salvation isn't for you you have no chance and so there is very much a large period of time where Jews and Gentiles which was essentially anybody else were segregating one another and so when Isaiah wrote that little excerpt that I just read and then is mentioned here in Romans it probably confused a lot of Jews and what Isaiah said essentially is salvation is no longer just for you it will be given to the Gentiles and God's name will be praised from their lips and I think that is something we can still we should still think about today salvation is not limited to where it can go or who it can reach Jesus is not something you place in a box and hide once you have it it is your duty and commandment that you spread it Christians cannot and should not be selfish with their salvation it needs to be something that we give to others as an opportunity to freely gain we we're not the saviors I'm not getting at that we have no power to save others that power belongs to Jesus and Jesus alone but if we hide our salvation if we keep it from others because we don't think they're worthy of it we're not giving them even the opportunity of salvation no one is worthy of salvation if that's what you're thinking is is worthiness you aren't worthy of salvation let me knock that into your head i get so angry when christians put down other people because of their sin yes their sin is wrong but you too were in sin so we we have no right to be selfish with our salvation 
and this concept is kind of pointed out again in Acts chapter 10, where Peter, this is after Jesus' death and resurrection and then ascension, where Peter and some other disciples are out spreading the gospel. And Peter is called by the Holy Spirit to go to Cornelius, a centurion. And before that, Peter has this vision in verses 10 through 9. Sorry, I didn't mean 10 through 9, I meant 9 through 16. The next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up to the housetop about the sixth hour to pray, and he became hungry and wanted something to eat. But while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance and saw the heavens open and something like a great sheet descending being let down by its four corners upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, By no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice came to him again a second time, What God has made clean do not call common. This happened three times, and the thing was taken up at once to heaven. And then if we skip down to verse 28 and 29. And he, Peter, said to them, You yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or visit anyone of any other nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. I asked them why you sent me here. And then verse 34. So Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly I understand that God shows no partiality. So often that section of verses with the whole vision and the sheet thing is or is taken and talked about in terms of literal eating and how, you know, there's no certain food that um, is wrong to eat. But I think we typically skip over the part in verses 28 through 29 and then verse 34 where that message was actually given to Peter to show him that yes he was being called to the house of a centurion and typically it was unlawful for him to do so because he's a Jew but that the gospel is not limited to the Jews salvation is for all mankind every single human on this earth has the opportunity at salvation And so we are to love our enemies, our neighbors, our Christian brothers and sisters, and those who are similar and different from us. Over my 20 years of life on earth so far, I have noticed that our society, specifically 
America because I've never been anywhere else, unfortunately. Um, our society has taken love and turned it from something you give into something you earn. Our society says that you have to earn the love of whoever it is that you love. Or society itself or a group that you want to become a part of. And the only way to do that, according to society, is to, cha to change who you are for them. In terms of a romantic relationship, father or mother, their child. Give up a part of yourself for them before they love you. Or act a certain way or look a certain way to gain their love. And in my personal opinion, if you have to change who you are for them, then that's... I don't see that as love. And that's not just in terms of a romantic relationship, that's in terms of friends, um, groups, and things like that. Yes, you can always change and better yourself, but through Christ, you know, we can, every, everyone can always make changes to make themselves a better person. There's nothing wrong with that. But if it's not, if they can't love you until you change, then that's not a love worth pursuing. So that's what our society says. What Jesus says is, I loved you at your worst. When you were a sinner who hated me and turned their back on me, I loved you. I sacrificed myself for you and took your place. I showed you unconditional love when no one else wanted you. And I continue to show you that love today. My love for you will never run dry. No matter how far you stray, my love can reach farther. And so, as February is coming up, I would like to kind of close with this thought and encouragement. Let's, us as a people, as Christians, let's try and change our perspectives on love. In a world that is focused on romantic love, let's show agape love. Love has been reduced down to romance when it actually started out as sacrifice. I think the world needs to be reminded of that. But let's show agape love to anyone and everyone we come in contact with. Let's pray for our enemies, our friends, leaders, families, and churches. Let's pray that God would give us the strength to show them love no matter what. I want to thank you again for listening and remind you that Wake Up and Grow releases episodes bi-weekly. That's every other Monday. And I encourage you to give Wake Up and Grow a follow on Instagram at wugpod. That's W-U-G-P-O-D. 
and go find Wake Up and Grow on Facebook. Again, I'm Natalie Bittinger, and this has been Wake Up and Grow.